How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off the Cuff. I'm Austin, your loving host, and today I'm going to be sharing with you an awesome conversation that I had uh, with a friend and colleague, Mahua Takurta, and we, we everyone calls her Mo for short. And she actually was my institute, our institute of Atlanta instructor. She was one of my portfolio teachers, and I've known her since 2013, which is so, you know, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but man, it, it really is an awesome conversation. Was very happy to meet with Mo. The, the thing that I was most excited to talk to her about was her involvement with Bollywood, and that's how she started her career over in India. In, uh, just how she came up into this, the professional space was in Bollywood, and man, there's two stories in particular that she talks about that just, I was speechless. I was just like, I, I can't even believe what I'm hearing, but uh, we both have a background in vi- video and film production, and you know, she's definitely someone uh, that I've been wanting to meet with since the podcast began, and she was gracious enough to come on the show, and you know, chat with me, and we actually met, we were sitting outside of a bakery for this episode, so it was really nice, we met halfway in between where she's living and where I'm living, and it was just a really nice, nice um, opportunity to catch up and kick back with a friend and, and someone that I admire, someone that I enjoy working with, even to this day currently, we still collaborate, we still work together, um, even post-college, so, which has been really cool, and I greatly appreciate her, um, her, friendship, her uh, inspiration on me and my career, and uh, she's just an excellent, excellent individual, and I'm so glad for you guys to meet her. So without further ado, let's go. Well, here we are here in Kennesaw, Georgia, which is, you know, most listeners know I'm typically in the Rome area. Frankly, I've been in uh, the Alabama area. This is actually first time being outside of one of those two cities, honestly, um, being closer, a little bit closer to the Atlanta area. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day, slightly cloudy, but I'm enjoying this. Absolutely. We got, we're sitting under, we're sitting outside of a, it's basically like a, it's a cafe. It's a really interesting place. It's a cafe and bakery. Yeah. And I was just like, well, you live in, you live basically Metro Atlanta. I live about an hour from Metro, an hour from you. So we kind of met in the middle here. So this spot doesn't have any particular meaning to either of us but it's kind of a middle ground so yeah. but yeah we're sitting under a tree got you know a little bit of a breeze no no harsh sun on us so it's nice and cool mm-hmm. we got some music playing on the speakers here but uh food was great um i had a turkey tur- turkey and swiss sandwich and you had like these sweet potato yeah. fries were interesting and a chicken salad sand, uh salad but i ordered the sweet potato fries which was interesting because as you had mentioned this is the first time i saw on the fries there was sugar on it so that's interesting. Very good. I mean, this the selection here is great. So if you're, if you're really, if you're ever in the Marietta, Kennesaw, Georgia area, you know, which a lot of people do, you know, travel here from far and wide in this area. So it's something if you just happen to be here. Did you mention the name of the place? What it, it's sweet. What is sweet, that? Sweet Hut Bakery. Sweet Hut Bakery and Cafe. Cafe. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know they actually have quite a few of these on. Um, like I'm from the Buford. Shamley area, so they have a few of these. Okay, so it's a chain, a little bit yeah. of a chain. Okay, yeah. very cool. So very cool. If you're in this area or you know travel to this area, you can definitely check it out because it's a really good spot, really good selection. Yeah. So, um, but so I guess we could start the conversation with just how we met, you know, and um, and I do I do a two like a two minute little introduction that happens. I do in studio, so we don't have to like 
completely set the scene. But yeah. I, I want to just, how did we meet and kind of how, you know, how we kind of, because it's all about sort of my networking and how we came, how did, how did we come to, to know each other? That's very interesting, Austin. I know you're from 2010, 2011. Yes, about that, that, yeah. yeah. Yep. Because I was teaching at Art Institute of Atlanta at that point of time. And uh, I started Art Institute, Art Institute around 2010, mm -hmm. yes, right after my son was born. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back and teach. Um, so I was teaching films, audio design, sound design, um, editing. And then I met you around 2012. You were in my portfolio class and you were getting a associate degree yep. in um, films. Absolutely. Yeah, and which is really cool. I have a, I, it's you, um, and there's another um, individual who was also one of my teachers or instructors at school. And then I'm also one of my uh, instructor teachers in high school you know, is one of my best friends. So I have this pattern of staying connected with my teachers, you know? Yes. And so I don't know, I just, I've just always, you know, I love, uh, I love education and I love teachers and you know, what they're, what they do for people and their zeal for, to see the success of, you know, young people. And I just, I've always, you know, it's the, my mom's a teacher. My now uh, wife is actually a teacher. Because uh, mm -hmm. actually, I, I haven't told you this, but we actually got married. When did you get married? <laughs> well, we got married last week. And, oh, my God. Congratulations. Well, well, thank you. And we actually, so we've got our big ceremony scheduled for June 8th of 2024. Okay. And June 8th, 2023 was here. We're like, why wait a whole year, you know, just because of venue schedules and vendor schedules and stuff. So we had a little intimate, you know, uh, fam close family only basically last week. That's so, amazing. Yes. Well, you didn't even tell me. I know. <laughs> I know. I just snuck that up on you. Right <laughs> <laughs> in between the interviews. Like, oh. <laughs> Man, we're keeping it real here on Off the Cup. You're, you're getting it right in right in the moment. So I see the ring now. I was like, yes. okay, that makes sense. Well, and I have been wearing the rubber ring as like an engagement ring because apparently in the past couple of years, it's been more normalized yeah. for, the, for the men to wear um uh, the rubber ring is sort of an engagement ring. I don't have the actual ring yet. We're going to wait till next year to get the actual ring and a couple other things. But um, so anyway, so yes, that happened. <laughs> but, 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 to, but now she's a teacher. Uh, her mom um, is a retired teacher. My, one of my, many of my best friends are teachers. So I just have always had teachers in my life, you know, and that's, I think that's just why, you know, you and our, our mutual contact, Fran, who's also from the Art Institute and several other people are just in my network and, you know, we've got up over the years. Yeah. We've worked on several projects together um, recently and probably over the past couple of years, we've kind of, when I moved back to the Atlanta area, we reconnected and started doing a lot more um, contract work together and that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, so, and, and just generally speaking, we have the, we kind of have a similar, you know, because of, we met at the Art Institute, um, you know, obviously you were an instructor in my field. So we have a lot in common from a multimedia film, audio, you know, visual standpoint. Um, so for needless to say, I wanted you're definitely one of the top people on my on my list too. I wanted to have on the show, mm -hmm. and uh, so thank you for coming on and you know meeting me in this beautiful day, this beautiful weather, and uh, hopefully we don't get rained out because uh, it's a little cloudy up there, but I, <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. So let's just start the conversation with. So a lot of this is going to be new to me because I know at a high level, kind of your background. I know you've had some in, some involvement with Bollywood and um, you know kind of where you are now, and you have your own uh, you have your own video business, uh, you know, small company um, with a, with some, with a, with a team and whatnot. And um, so I just kind of want to start like, 
where how did you get here like kind of let's start back to as far back as you want to go what was <laughs> when, the, when when did you wake up one day and were just like I want to I want to deal with cameras and stuff and tech and audio for just forever like did you have that moment where you just like aha not really it evolved though so mm. it is um, so I'm from a really small um, uh, small state in India called Bihar which is quite backwards and when I was growing up we did not have a whole lot of television and television was a uh, you know something that was introduced in only in the 1980s in India when at least when I got a television in India so uh, it was not you know Star Trek we grew up with a lot of these stories we watched Star Star Trek and everybody, every kid I knew was kind of very much into it at that point of time, at least I was in that. And we played all the, you know, games with Star Trek and stuff like that. So in India, it was very common to um, have uh, disrupted elect electricity. We did not have electricity all throughout the time. So all throughout the day. So it will be like a couple of hours sporadically, you would get electrical connection, especially in Bihar, because it's one of the most backward states um, in the country. And I grew up in a really small, um, uh, you know, um, place called Dhanbad in Bihar, again, which is more backwards than probably anywhere else. Um, but it was just so much of fun growing up. I feel that I had the opportunity to be bored and I had the opportunity to be not connected all the time. And that gave me, and I think that's where a lot of the creativity came in. And I was very interested in just, um, being creative with normal regular things like you know uh things like maybe just sun streaming through the windows oh that looks beautiful the patterns and the leaves look beautiful you know so things like that ordinary things that really may make you think twice about oh wow this can be creative and this can be beautiful and i was always uh, very creatively drawn right from the beginning, um, though I did not have that much of influence growing up uh, with creativity. Once I made it to the big, I wanted to go to Mumbai because this Mumbai was this big city or Bombay, you know, where Bollywood exists. Uh, you know, I had this yearn for getting out of that small city. So I would look at an airplane going on the top of my a rooftop and I would be like, oh my God, I want to sit in one of those giant airplanes one day. So. Uh, fast forward, I land up in the big city and big city, um, I went to there to study and do my master's in communication and that's where was my real uh, introduction to kind of um, creativity in a more structured manner. So we started, we the communications course that I was doing in, at Sophia's Mumbai, we did a short documentary and this is very interesting, there was no cameras with the documentary, we did it with still images and we told a story through still images oh, wow. and um, I had never used a still image camera like one of these older film cameras still image film cameras and when I started using it I just saw that somehow I always got praised for the pictures that I took I was really not being intentional uh, but I think that came from the fact that oh that picture looked pretty to me or that look that image look composition look nice to me so that was kind of my introduction to the big world of creativity in Mumbai and then um, once I got out of the college I started working for a small advertising firm and um, was very um, socially uh, aware of stuff around me but at this again at the same time um, I was very 
interested in the creative part of it. So I was working for an advertising company that did uh, commercials for um, lots of nonprofits. Actually, for AIDS was a big problem in India at that point of time. Okay. So I started working with these AIDS workers in India, um, creating. Um, education material and commercials um, in India. So somehow that community calling and creativity went hand in hand and then I kind of started working on a lot more projects. I got into mainstream television in Bollywood. I used to work for Sony um, Television Network. Then I worked for various other video and films. Um, and I realized I would couldn't be successful just being a um, freelance filmmaker. I did not have to really get tied down to a network. And Mumbai had a lot of, Bombay or Mumbai had a lot of opportunities. Mm. So it was just um, amazing, uh, you know, how many opportunities there were if you were ready to work hard. Um, so I got introduced to filmmaking around the same period of time. I moved away from television and I started working more on uh, films. There were a lot of films that came into India from um, Europe and UK being one of the top ones actually who would, would do actually quite a bit of money, put a, quite a bit of money into um, actually in having India as a location. And my first job, I got into um, being an assistant director, a third assistant director on a film that came from UK. And that was my introduction and love for films. I just loved the energy on the set. I was like, oh my God, this is where I want to be. So uh, it was, and that was a game changer. I never went back to television and I kind of did just films over and over and over again. Short films and long films and narrative films and documentary films. It was a really good combination uh, for the next four or five years. Just I worked on a multiple different films uh, that happened in Mumbai with quite a few big celebrities, not so big celebrities, but I was all over as an assistant director or an associate producer. And then around 2001 is when I came back to this country, came to United States. So one of the factors when you come to United States, you can't work right away because of your visa situation. And then I was pretty sure that I would be okay because I had so much of experience working in the film industry. But coming to Atlanta, there was nothing going on in 2001. Yeah, back then, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy to think compared to today. Yes. Compared to today. But uh, um, before we... So how would you explain so the term Bollywood? For those that may be listening have never heard that term, yeah. How would you, what is Bollywood? How would you describe that? So Bollywood, I, let's say, um, if you don't know what an Indian film is or a Hindi film industry is, let me tell you that Hollywood, just to give you the scale, Hollywood produces 250 films a year. Bollywood produces 800 films a year. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Wow. So well, in Bollywood is a play on Hollywood just for yes. in Bali. Yes. You know, so. It, in Bombay, so it's Bollywood. Oh, bom Bombay. Bombay. So they kind of took that first few words and then kind of wanted to play with Hollywood, Bollywood. You know? Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So, and then uh, the same thing is actually Calcutta has a big film industry in India, and that's it. It's called. Hollywood. So every every little industry that we have. So Bombay, Bollywood is only one part of the industry, but India produces a lot of films, and every region produces their own language film. 
and they are extremely popular and very very good yeah um uh, compared to what we produce here in um you know in us so over there the number of films produced is way 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 higher and it's a culture because it's so ingrained into our society we talk films we walk films we watch a lot of films and it is just a great way to escape from the regular day to day rigmarole of a hot sweaty uh, you know not so not so great in the at times but bollywood gives you that escape and bollywood is just great way to escape from that everyday things so yeah it's a culture it's not just uh, I would say it's almost a way of life. Like it's kids, a lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and one thing that I don't like about a lot of Hollywood, mostly, pretty much almost all, yeah. is you have they have all these big budgets, you know. But to me, at least nowadays, they're relying so much on visual effects and um, how can we and shock factor and you know, there's to there's very little wit anymore. It seems yeah. there's not a lot of. Um, the storytelling stories are just you yeah. know whereas whereas over there I'd imagine their budgets probably are nowhere near the budgets oh, they yeah. are here so they have to my assumption would be that they really have to rely on storytelling correct you know I think personally I think if but if films were limited in this country like in the Hollywood if they said okay you have to make a film for 75 million dollars or 50 million dollars which sounds like a lot but in the film industry that's not much, not much you know um, I feel like they would have to, the storytelling would just have to, you'd either get good at storytelling or die. You know, and I think that's, yes, they have all these big budgets, but who, I mean, and a lot of people like it, but I just, people don't, I don't know, it's just, it's a shame how, how little focus there is on story. And like, even like a lot of these like HBO shows or yeah. Netflix and stuff like that is like, there's also, the wit is dying because there's not as much constraint, at yeah. least in my opinion, from like, keeping things sort of PG, PG-13. So um, you see people, they're putting just shock factor and horrible language, Yeah. you know, for really no reason because they think that's funny. But you compare that to like, I, I compare it to like um, The Office yeah. versus that other show that Steve Carell and um, um, Dan, I forgot his, his Steve Daniels. Jeff know. Daniels, the I think whatever his last name, I forgot his name, the producer of The Office and the producer of Space Force, uh -huh. both have this person. Uh, it's killing me that I can't remember his name. Jeff Daniels, I think, is his name, but don't don't quote me on that. I know his last name is Daniels, but the writing is nowhere near as good, even though it's yeah. got the same people, because there's there's no they're they're not limited. They're they're they have a much bigger budget, and they're not limited on keeping it within a certain constraint. So their cleverness is no longer really needed. I agree with you completely. Like I feel that some of the student projects and uh, constrained um, projects get way better storytelling than um, these big budget movies because you already know when you sit in the theater what's going to happen. Yeah. So there is no storytelling in there. You're just looking at effects and special effects and uh, what, what technology is able to actually do on films. And I think that works really great in like theme parks, yeah. which you don't really care so much about the story of a ride. You want to be visually engaged. You want to be visually blown away. But, you know, the, the, I just feel like the Hollywood would be much better off if they just limited almost to, OK, for X amount of films, we, you can't go over this, yeah. you know, and just see what happens. But that's all. That's actually a whole conversation. You know, yes, we really. could die. We could go down that rabbit hole for two hours. Was, but, yeah. So we kind of we talked about Bollywood. So tell me. 
and kind of what that is. But what what are some of the most like what is Bollywood most known for overseas, like internationally? Or how does the rest of the world see Bollywood? So that's that's an interesting question. I have had it um, like people know of Bollywood, but that not necessarily it's. I would compare it in a similar way to baseball and cricket because everybody in the U.S. knows about cricket, but they kind of don't get it. And mm. it's the same thing with Bollywood. It's like people know about Bollywood, but they're like, oh, those are really long movies with a lot of, it's all musicals, right? Well, to some extent, yes, some are musicals, but that's a very stereotype because I think you're only looking at the certain kinds that gets the popularity. But there are a lot of stories in Bollywood or movies there in Bollywood that are extremely good. Uh, which probably does not have the whole musical mm-hmm. uh, feel to it. But yes, there are a lot of musicals. And and, that, and like cricket, cricket is a long game. It's an entire day is worth of game. And the baseball is not as long. So, you know, but they have similarities. So, yeah. Well, and I love cricket um, darts. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's actually a, board, a dart game called cricket. And I'm like, I tell people, oh, let's go play some cricket. You know, and they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm, actually, it's a dart game called cricket. I don't, I don't think there's... I don't suppose there's any overlap, but I know there's also a golf game that you can play darts if you have a specialized board, oh, which is okay. interesting. But that's I, like a random fact for the day. But uh, when I, when I think of cricket, I think of darts. But I do, you know, cricket. I, you know, that is something. It's a great, great um, comparison because you're exactly right. Um, what about some like? Do you have any? When I know the people that are familiar with Bollywood, when you say, "Oh, I've had to have a background in Bollywood," they just like their eyes go wide. You know, like, oh, so what do you have any kind of? stories about like what that was like and just kind of like not necessarily funny or anything like that but just interesting stories from your time there like what's something that stands out so one of the things i can talk to you about is how a bot let me um retrace that is like with bollywood when i used to go so i used to work a lot on uh, foreign films and Bollywood stuff, which would be very different. Bollywood is not necessarily the most efficient system in production. But when it comes to my production knowledge, I feel that I've learned a lot from um, a lot from the English film production groups that came in because they ran such a tight shift. With Bollywood, they were a little more relaxed. But the talent I feel in Bollywood was so much more not higher, but not as constrained because I felt there was more freedom in a lot of different ways. So for example, I'll give you an example of camera work because doing a scene uh, which has got dances and moves and stuff like that, a four to five camera setup would be very, very normal. But whereas on a film in, uh, you know, not Hollywood, but all the others, you know, whenever you are doing a more constrained production. Like in more the, of an independent film in like the U.S.? Yes. Okay, yeah. And the moment you're thinking about three to four cameras, you are like, oh my God, there's so many parameters they're kind of thinking of. And things are like, you know, not happening because they're think- sometimes almost thinking overthinking it. You know, mm. whereas in Bollywood, I felt that it was so such an easy feat to kind of always break down a scene between two to three cameras very, very easily because... Productions were not as expensive in India and in Bollywood as much as it is um, in the U.S. And we shot more in film at that point of time versus, not, uh, you know, what Hollywood shot on film. So there was film was a lot more easily shot in um, India. Is there something you like just one day that you can remember that you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe my life? 
you know, like when you're in like with all the, I mean, really anybody in the film industry, really anybody in the video world, frankly, regardless of your so the scale like, of it, yeah, has one of those you. days. So uh, we were shooting a commercial with one of these very top end um, videographers, and I can't remember his name, of course, now because it's 15 or 20 year ago story. And I was just a production assistant on the set. I, my job was to help the costume department and the production run, you know, production department and any department that needed help because I was a production runner. So and it was raining cats and dogs on that day. Um, and I was sent out to get some costume changes for the um, actress, come back. Uh, the videographer on the shoot, uh, again, as I said, he was a big name. He worked, he used to work a ton on uh, Bollywood films. So he was on this commercial that we were working, it was a soap commercial, and he was lighting the set, and his he had brought in few of his um, uh, people who he knew, but also his nephew was on the set. And I still remember to this day, his nephew was learning on set and his nephew got, I came back from this really rough day and I was ready to complain that it was really rough out there with all the rain, but I kept my mouth shut and I was looking what was happening. And my the videographer goes up to uh, the assistant and the nephew and slaps him straight on the face because <laughs> he got the reading wrong on the light meter while he was lighting this set. I was like, oh my God. Like hard slap? Hard like slap hard slapped front, him. Hard slapped him in front of everybody <laughs> on the set. And it was his nephew, you said? I think so. It was, I can't remember the details, but it was an intern or a nephew, and I'm not sure, but it. In my eyes, you crossed the line on that. Oh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. But. Well, and it's so funny you say that. And I also remember the name of the, the producer. His name's Greg Daniels okay, is Greg. the producer. But it's ironic because there's actually an episode in The Office. I don't know if you've seen that series a, whole, a lot. But there's literally an episode called Nepotism where the main character spanks his nephew. <laughs> and I'm not, this is no joke. Like, what are the odds? But there is actually, he hires the main character, hires, hires his nephew over the summer thinking as an intern. And he's terrible. You know, most couldn't be worse at his job. And at the end of the episode, he actually bends him <laughs> over and spanks him in front. Of, and I'm just like, what are the odds you have a story just like that? I'm like, we're talking about The Office, and then you tell a story that literally happened. It makes me wonder if maybe someone that one of the writers happened to be on the, <laughs> the set the day you were there. That was their inspiration. <laughs> it was just, it was so bizarre. And not bizarre, but I'm guessing it happens quite a lot. But this guy who got, who got slapped in the middle of the day seemed to be okay with it. He definitely flushed a little bit. And walked away and he said okay I'm gonna do but you know everything went I'm guessing he did that multiple times but it is very common that happens I think um, in Bollywood where you are taking control of you know of so much of it because you're so big so yeah. a lot of the things just came on uh, you know in a different it, it doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of structure that I saw otherwise would have very uh, employment laws and stuff like that you know that can yeah. go crazy but I think it happens also in um, US films it's not that it doesn't happen but I think that's what I kind of vividly remember from oh, one of the Bollywood show well that'd be hard. it would be hard to forget that yeah for sure <laughs> and it, 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 that kind of story actually happened to me even in another film that I was working on and this was again a famous um, director and I don't want to name her 
because that's not going to be nice. Uh, she's quite famous and she's from UK. And her set was crazy because she would just scream at everybody. So I was the third AD on the film and I remember I think um, I gave some wrong direction on the actors while we were uh, while we were on set and um, because as a third AD I was supposed to cue the person every time so there were a sequence of activities that was happening on direction and all this is being shot on film uh -huh. so you don't have that many takes because film is expensive yeah. and I think I gave wrong direction on the set because I did not understand the directions very correctly and oh my god she was so mad in front of everybody she screamed at me and I was very young, I was 23 at that time, and I took it uh, 23 or 24, and I was devastated. I was, uh, I just felt terrible and went back, and I did not want to show my face back to the whole crew again. Uh, but my first lady came back, found me, and said, Wow, this is going to happen, this is how she is, you just have to deal with it on the set. You know, you have to find a better way to kind of figure it out how you're going to manage it. Uh, so that's you know, it happens a whole lot. Yeah. So uh, on sets, it's not all rosy. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because even like I, that's one thing I it has. It's kind of a double edged sword. You know, you get. But in the video world, the film world, film television, it's, you know, no matter what level, you're constantly working with people you've never worked with. You're constantly meeting new people, have no idea what their patterns are, their behavior patterns, like what their the, the idiosyncrasies are, what what their pet peeves are. So you're constantly, which I find very exciting. Some people might be drawn mad yeah. by it, uh, you know. But most of the time, it's very exciting. But occasionally, you do run into that, where some people's just personalities or their ego or their is my way or the highway. They're not team players, you know. So it's interesting, but to, to think that you know, you experience that really at all level in this industry, um, the just mo moving, you know, mo moving pictures and um, you know, video, film, what have you, digital. Um, so what, what would you say, so I know a lot of, one thing I definitely want to touch on is just, I know most people listening to this obviously aren't going to have a background in video, film, you know, television. Um, what are some of the things, like now we kind of, this is us talking collaboratively, like what are some of the interesting things, I guess, from someone who has no idea about any of this, but most people are very interested in it, it's a very interesting thing. Um, what are some of the interesting things just in general about this field that you've experienced or, um, key takeaways you've had like what unexpected um, you know what are some of the things you experienced that you just don't expect or something that somebody on the outside might not think about I have one critical and this is it's pretty funny but uh, you, you want you have anything in mind in specific so one of the things that has always been amazing to me is when you make a film um, it's it's a vision of that one director or one producer who is bringing it together but you have like a I don't know, I've worked on films where 350 people are working or 400 people are working. That entire, um, you know, a team of 300 and 400 people are all working towards that one vision and one goal and then that final production um, that comes together from this entire team effort because everybody is working towards that one goal. and. I think the ability to change, and that's a part of films or for any art, the ability to change or move people on the other end when you experience it. So I think that is amazing, you know. Yeah, I mean, the 
the de- the amount of delegation involved in a film is just I I heard somebody I was watching a behind the scenes something on a DVD or something one time and one of like the higher ups in the process he might have been a producer or like a director of photography or something he's like I have no idea how this stuff gets done he's like I nobody knows how this stuff how it, how it actually happens we just have our jobs and we go and we do it we go home and eventually yeah. there's just something that shows up on a big screen in front of us it's like there's just you every single person has such a small yeah piece of that massive puzzle that's something that's so bizarre when you really sit down and think about it it's, I when I watch a movie sometimes and I I have to try not to think about it too much of how many people had to do just sometimes even just one shot I'm in the theater yeah. and I'm just like how many people how many man hours what kind of logistics and all this had to go in for this four seconds that I'm seeing exactly for four seconds you know and it takes two, multiple armies of people to and, uh, to create this something that could be three seconds long. Yeah, I will give you a quick example. We did a crowd shot of 400 people in one crowd shot in one film. That was the ending shot of the film. And there were 400 people. We had to get all of them dressed with three different colors. So the first 100 people had pink on, pink turban on. The second 100 people had an orange turban on. The third, you know, the last 300, 200 people had some other color on. I can't remember. There was two elephants in it. Uh, <laughs> there was there was dance that happened in the beginning. The elephants were supposed to come in. Then the 400 people were supposed to join the crowd. And all these needed to happen in a certain sequence. And you can imagine having that elephants not trample anybody <laughs> yeah animal wranglers involved it was just um i felt so accomplished after that shot we i was the uh, second ad on that film and i was like oh my god how did that happen like how did everything work yeah. perfectly and then the three cameras that needed to move from three different ways you know yeah so it's very very um, amazing when especially with i think bollywood when you the scale is so large and even games, Game of Thrones or something like that, you know, or any, when the scale is like so huge. Yeah. And people just, 99.9% of people just don't even think about it. Unless you've been in it, unless you've read it, read about it, you know, seen tons of behind the scenes stuff or, you know, it's just, you really can't fathom it. It's really just mind boggling, truth, truth be told. And, you know, um, but my thing, and this is something that's really, really, really small is one of the things that I found is the biggest misconception like when I'm working with people is you have in the film industry so this is an interesting thing that people don't think about but typically your image your video and your sound are captured independently mm-hmm. they're not captured um, and this is me talking to the audience I know you know this yeah um, your your picture and your sound are not captured they're captured independently so that's why they have those clapboards those, right. that, that you know got the, the looks like a zebra and they has got some numbers on it and they, you know, scene three, take seven, mark, you know, and there's a clap. Yeah. Well, everybody, this is something that people, it's so funny because every shoot I do when I have to mark a scene, whether it be physically clapping my hands or I actually have a clapboard, everybody thinks that means action. And I just always think that's so funny because Hollywood, they always, you know, they'll before they'll cut to something like with a behind the scenes reel or, you know, highlight video, they show that and then they go. So that's something that I want to... <laughs> It's the biggest, mis- smallest, but biggest misconception people have is that does not mean action. And the audience, but that's just so that people can, in editing, they have a, a reference, a visual and audible reference point to sync a, the picture, the, the motion picture, a.k.a. video with the audio. 
right. for the sound file. So that's something that I've always, you know, and like Hollywood makes my job so hard because when I do that, they go. They go, you know, if, whether it's a Perkin person just delivering a script or whatever it might be. And I'm like, actually, hold on a second. That I apologize. That's a misconception. That actually does not mean action. I'll actually, I'll say action or I'll give you a very obvious cue. And they're like, oh, okay, well. So it's just a funny thing. That's one of the things I've encountered that people just, it's a small but funny misconception. And another thing is just how I find it so profound when you think about it is film utilizes every form of artwork because you have culinary, you have to feed your people, you have to... You have sculptors, you have painters, you have 3D modelists, you have, um, you know. Costumes and yeah. Yeah, so it's like literally you construction, you know, you have to build sets. There's people that in the construction industry that are employed. Yeah. People, um, uh, electricians are, yeah. ma- are major, you know, uh, major to, to light. Grip and to, gaffers, yes, yeah. Yes, grip and gaffers. And it's like, it's amazing to me. That's one thing I've always found so profound when you think about it. it pretty much every form of, almost every form of artwork or, or, or utility is utilized in the film production. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the, like, I guess some, have you worked on any projects that people might recognize, like listening to this or like any recently or anything like that? So there are quite a few um, projects um, I can talk about is, uh, it's been a while. The new, the latest project that I recently worked on, you should be able to see it on Amazon or on uh, Netflix. Um, it's not on Netflix, actually, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Refuge, the movie, the documentary film. I was an assistant director on that. Actually, I highly recommend everybody watch it. It's a great story, great, great movie. Um, not just because I worked on it, but the storyline really is really good, and I think it's much needed in today's day. Uh, especially with, um, you know, how our uh, society is set up right now with so much of politics going on. Um, Some of the other films that I have worked previously on uh, that you can watch, um, definitely uh, Warrior uh, by Asif Kapadia. And this was a 2002 film. Then we have, I worked on Being Bobby Brown, one of few episodes that was on Bravo, which is when Whitney was alive and uh, daughter was Whitney's daughter was alive, so those were some of the editing stuff that I've worked on. There are a lot of other films, but I, I will date myself too much here. But <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to IMDb, you should be able to see um, Warrior. Uh, I mean, not um, Bride and Prejudice. Um, that's another Indian film. Um, I've worked on 300 different episodes of. Um, and this film stuff, uh, TV stuff that I worked on. A uh, few other films that I'm not able to remember the name of any of them right now. This is interesting. <laughs> well, so well, I popped it on you. And I can even, um, if you don't mind, I, you said I could, pop, I could link your IMDb, IMDb, Internet Movie Database, um, IMDb yeah. page on the in, the in the show notes. So if you do want to go check out Mo and some of the things she's worked on, you can go look that up. Um, but so that's that's fantastic, and it's funny you say documentary because documentary is what I'm most passionate about. I love consuming and producing documentary style content. I just so much more enjoy learning about real events, real people, real stories, um, that kind of thing. So, um, I'll definitely check out Refuge. I didn't, I didn't, and that's, that's that's new to me. I did not know that, so I will definitely today. I'm literally gone, and I will add that to my list and I'll watch that watch it it's a great film and it's a good film well done um, 
very well told. I like the story because it's very, very needed in today's um, very, you know, disparate thoughts and where we are not together anymore. So it's it's much needed. Yeah, I'm definitely I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. I, like, I, I once the next thing I wanted to touch on is from your perspective as a teacher. Because anytime I have a teacher, I like to get their perspective because that's you know it's an important perspective. You know, like what was it like? Um, trying to teach or just teaching I guess what was that like in your experience like working with young people and just from a teacher which I know you, you only were actually at, at the Art Institute for what a handful of years not maybe six, six years. years okay yeah, yeah. so how would you describe that just more broadly not specific to the Art Institute but just what was that perspective like seeing young people yeah working with young people so one of the things I think when I was much younger and when I went into the film industry, I never thought I would be a teacher. I never thought I will be, you know, I never wanted to be a teacher. But, um, you know, life happens in different ways. So when I had my kids and I didn't want to work 17 hours or really search for looking for that next movie job or film job, I ended up um, teaching. and. I became so passionate about it. I really enjoyed it and I loved it. And I loved that I was able to um, kind of talk about my experience and teach other people. Like, I, if, I don't know if you remember, but I, I would definitely be one of those teachers. I would tell you guys that if you don't love this, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. So you will not get paid a whole lot. It's a lot of struggle at times. Um, but if you're not into it 110%, don't do it. And that so, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard one time somebody said, I might have been even you. Um, they said, if you can imagine, we had people walking out laughing. Yeah. If you can imagine yourself doing anything else, do that. Yeah. Because it, you know, it truly has to be not something you want to do is something that you can't not do yeah you know to to actually stay with it through the hard times the ups and downs the uncertainties it's like um so if you can imagine yourself to, to that point it's 150 percent true if you can if you can imagine yourself oh well i'd love to do film tv but i you know i could also see myself being a dentist or maybe a doctor don't be a filmmaker <laughs> absolutely you know, go to one other path because you'll lose your mind and yeah we all lose our mind a little bit you know, if you go down this path, you lose a little bit of your sanity along the way. You know, one of my uh, other people said, you know, you got to be a little crazy to, to be in this industry. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have to have a lot of patience, persistence, collaborate. It's like everything, it really tests you. And I, that's why I enjoy working with younger people. And as you know, I have started my own video production business and I employ very young people like you know right out the school and a lot of them have stayed with me and have worked for the last four or five years i really enjoy working with the younger people and kind of bringing my experience and their innovation and their uh, creativity in the field yeah and I've, I've we talked about this and i think i brought it up on a former previous episode about my uh, mentorship network and i've started doing this getting involved with younger you know college graduates recent graduates or um, even soon to be students actively in college and possibly even the high school level yeah because it's just fun i just i mean to me that's how you grow yeah you grow more from taking like well, i was gonna say more but there's a it's amazing how much you can learn from people younger than you because yeah. they're not as um exposed to as so much stuff so they have more pure um a, a pure sense of what's possible yes you know exactly. so i definitely love to surround myself with people of all ages much younger than me younger uh, older than or younger than me much older than me um, so I just think that's a critical uh, 
thing to do if you want to just always be growing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. You also said, like, I know you mentioned about having a family. That's one thing I tell people, too, is it's very, very difficult to have a family life and like raise multiple kids, have, you know, thriving marriage and this and that. Uh, in this industry, in, in the film and television industry specifically, because it almost has to become, it's almost like it's so part of your life, it's almost like that's your spouse. It's almost like, to in many cases, not all cases, there are exceptions, but that's something to be aware of if this is something yeah. that you want to get into or maybe your your, your your kid or nephew is talking to you about, oh, I'd, I'd love to go to film school or something like that. You know, that's something to be aware of. It's very difficult. That's why there's, and mo- and there's so many failed marriages, so many broken families in the entertainment industry. It's because to succeed in it, it has to almost be all-consuming, if not all-consuming. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just take, you know, that's that's another one of those profound things that I tell people, you know, occasionally when someone comes to me and says, hey, I think about going, to, going this route, that's something I do stress to and to be aware of that. But you can also do more like what I do, which is kind of more business ownership, kind of what you're doing now. Yeah. And it's much more conducive to yeah. having a family, a little bit more of a normal civilian life, as it were. Um but so let's talk, as we're getting kind of close to time here, I wanted to definitely touch on, we talked about where you started, kind of how you, where you are. Let's, I want to talk about your business, and now we can talk collaboratively on, like, business ownership and what that's been like, and yeah. then, you know, what, like, tell me a little bit about your company. You can, spe, you can name, you can name your company if you want, you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, so my company is Aramba, and I started the business around 2017 after I stopped working, um, like after I, you know, stopped teaching at our Institute of Atlanta. One of the reasons why I started was primarily there were not many uh, affordable production houses out there uh, who could actually produce high quality films or high quality videos at affordable pricing. And who it affected the most were a lot of the women-based businesses, the nonprofits, the small business owners who didn't seem to have enough places to go to where they could hire somebody who would actually look out for them, you know, who could actually give them the consultation that they needed to like say, hey, how do I use this video? to make maximum, uh, you know, ROI out of this, you know, because video is not cheap, video is expensive. And when you're putting in that money, you want to make sure that you're getting your maximum return on investment. And I'm a big um, believer in that. And so I, that's one of the reasons that made me start my company was, I want to make video production transparent, the cost transparent, and make it affordable for a lot of my, small business owners and women-owned businesses and nonprofits. And that's, that is very, and I, I know we haven't, I don't know if we specifically talked about that, but I know that's for me a big deal because I've always loved video and I, there's so many small businesses, individuals that had to turn, that couldn't utilize video because of the price. Um, and that's largely because a lot of these bigger companies have a lot of overhead because they're they're designed to produce things that, you know, these hundred thousand dollar, three hundred thousand dollar, three million dollar commercials, you know, and they're not built to make it worth their while to produce a five thousand dollar video or a five hundred dollar video or a thousand dollar video, whatever, you know. And that's why I was like, there's a, especially since COVID, it's like. The, the people, the whole world has woken up and said, oh, wow, video really is powerful. It was, it used to be kind of a nice to have, 
with small entities. Yeah. But now with social media and it, since COVID, everybody has seen the value of video and how truly powerful it was and getting their brand out there. It, it's become, it's exploded mm -hmm. to where mm -hmm. it's no longer nice to have. It's a, it, if I'm not doing this, I'm behind. Yes. And we're, I'm sure you're experiencing it. I've been experiencing it. It's in that, but there's really not a lot, like you're saying, there's not a lot of businesses that will service small companies, um, medium-sized companies, um, which I find great because many of my life, now lifelong friends are clients in the nonprofit space or wedding or, or bride, wedding, you know, wedding clients or um, fa different families I've met along the way doing um, that, working with mom and pops. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's something that brings more value to me than a dollar, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm still able to support myself, um, you know, but and, and it, I wanted to touch on too, like, and it's not that video is expensive just because we want to drive super expensive cars and live in big houses. It's a very specialized skill that takes a lot of very expensive, expensive tools and a lot of um, uh, a lot of time, an yes. incredible amount of time. I mean, editing a wedding video and I'm pretty fast when it comes to editing That's how I got my bread and butter doing the editing. And it still takes me 20, 25 hours to edit mm -hmm. just the editing of a wedding video that, that runs about six to 12 minutes, depending on how long we were there. Yeah. Um, so that's something I stress is it's like, but having a smaller business, at least for me, and it sounds like for you, is like you've been able to eliminate a lot of that overhead. Correct, yes. And generate high quality, um, and plus software and technology and um, there's just so much stuff now that video has become more popular that used to be very expensive. Some of that stuff has come down a lot in price, but it's still very expensive uh, mm -hmm. for certain, certain things, um, which has made it more accessible. Yes. And I love that. You know, I love that. Um, so that's very, very, very interesting um, that you said that because that's definitely something I can relate to as well. Um, well, very good. Do you have any other comments or anything about that? Like, I guess what is your, with your business, I guess, what would you say if somebody's just saying, you know, what is, I know what you said, what you're about. Like our, our mantra is we're about creating content that um, affects lives and helps businesses grow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of what we're about. We love creating content that speaks to people. It reminds them, oh, I have a soul. I'm a human. You know, we still, we're all part of this. We're all fishing in the same boat as mm -hmm. Zach Brown Band has said in one of their more recent singles, same boat. I love that song. Mm -hmm. In the same boat. Um, so that's kind of what I'm about. Like, what would you say like in five, 10 years, like, what would you love? Like, what kind of impact, or even let's go beyond that, like 50 years, what kind of impact do you want to leave, like, you know, kind of your legacy in mm -hmm. the film world? I know that's a big question. Yeah, it kind of gets a big question. It kind of got bigger and bigger as I'm going along, <laughs> but we're just so passionate about the same right. thing. I don't get to talk this level of shop with everybody. Yeah, so one of the things is I feel that, you know, the biggest change that I would like to bring about and all my work I have tend to see a pattern intentionally or purposefully or not so sometimes accidentally I get drawn to projects which is about building um, a community and I'm all about education connecting and telling that story to that community because as we are more informed as a community we tend to make better choices and bringing new perspectives and that's why I recommend Refuge because it teaches you and tells you about new perspectives that we need to learn. So if I am able to teach a community or change somebody's perspective to be have a more tolerant attitude, I would see myself as being successful. Uh, so um, that's the kind of impact that I want to create as I move forward in my journey through filmmaking is create films that and stories that will actually be able to 
help to change perspectives, inform, educate, and connect and build a community. I love that. I love that so much. And I guess if you, if you were to ask me that, uh, to me, I, one of the things I, nothing, I there's nothing I love more than some, a piece of content that I created impacted someone to the point to where they could, you know, an initiative they're trying to launch a business or they're a nonprofit trying to feed animals or whatever the case is that they were able to afford something that they used to not. And I have uh, several stories where a client went to one of these bigger companies, the overhead was insane and they, were gonna, they couldn't even drip to afford it. And then they come to me and it's um, much more affordable. They could do it. And then it was, you know, they were able to, they called me and be like, man, I'm so glad we did this. We, you know, our, we funded our operation for six months because someone saw your video, mm. you know, and to me, that's like, and I also love the idea of people being able to employ other people. Yeah. Um, so if your business grows, you become more, you're likely to employ other people. Yeah. Because there's a lot of talent out there and sometimes there's just not a lot of opportunities in certain fields. So the thought that, oh, this, this, this branding, this uh, marketing, video marketing campaign grew the company and they've now hired five people. Then I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like something that I was a part of gave five people jobs, yes. you know, in a, in a small, in a, a piece of a large puzzle. But it's like things like that that I just eat up, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I guess that would be just, I try to, there's not many things. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a little bit of a um, master of one, you know, that is a, I'm, a, I'm the opposite of a renaissance person. Like I, I, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, not like life skills, I guess you say, just how to live like day to day, but like in terms of the professional space, like that's pretty much my world video. Just like how I can, that's well, the one thing I have to offer that can actually make an impact in my life, my friends, my friends, family, you know, my clients' lives. So um, that's what I love. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap for sure in there. So, well, very good. We're definitely, we're right at the little over the 50 minute mark. So I definitely want to close this out unless you have any, we'll get to our recommendations, mm-hmm. but do you have any closing thoughts, any comments, anything like that? Um, no, I think, you know, I'm, I feel very fulfilled and I'm very happy in this, uh, you know, pursuing this journey in life, which is all about, you know, creating films and making a story. So, you know, stick to your passion and, um, and make them move, pivot if you think this is not for you. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and I would say too, if you're listening to this, whether it may be you or maybe you're someone you know is interested in dabbling into that field, like video, film, television, you know, marketing, video marketing, anything like that, I would love to talk to them. So if you wanted to send us an email, the email is in the the show notes, but it's contact at hindlightmedia.com. That's hindsight, but with an L. Um, I would love to just talk to someone for even just 10, 15, 20 minutes. You know, I'm very passionate about that as well. Uh, A lot of people helped me when I was first, you know, early on in that. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, if anybody wants to connect with you directly, I'd be happy to set that up. Yeah. Um, So please just reach out to us because, you know, there's so much to think about. Most people have no idea where to even begin. So, yeah. um, but so. I, I want to thank you, Austin, for inviting me. This has been great. This is awesome what you're doing and connecting people. And I think that is very, very important because knowledge is power. And it might be cliched, but it is true. Like if you know enough about it, you can take a really knowledge, good decision. You know, you can make some good decisions in life if you are informed. So. Thank you for doing this, and I think it's a great way to help the new community that is coming into this um, filmmaking world and creating something, you know, when they're pursuing their passions. I think it's very important to have this kind of mentorship. 
Well, thank you, Mo, and for coming on again. And uh, this is just, it's just something I love doing. You know, it's like, I'm, it's, I, I consider it a blessing. I consider it a privilege to have the freedom in my, my job to be able to meet with you and other people and take a couple hours to go and create something that someone could hear, someone could listen to and impact their life, you know, and in various ways. And I've talked to so many different people in different fields and different passions and hobbies and interests that there's really no limit to it. So, and heck, you know, if you, if you know somebody, you're listening to this, and you know somebody that I would, you know, that I would love to talk to. If you think they're interested, I can do remote recordings. Not, I try to do as many in person as possible. But if you know somebody, please connect with me. You know, same email address. I'd love to, you know, continue this conversation with anybody. So just talk to anybody pretty much. So, well, very cool. Well, let's wrap up with our recommendations. So for, for new listeners, this is basically that we end every, every episode with this. And it can be completely related to, unrelated to the conversation. It could be t- tangible, intangible, something you could buy read do think anything at all it's just kind of a fun little way to end the show and do you want to go first Mo? sure so i just wanted to bring to people's attention that remote work is here to stay Mm -hmm. and you are going to do a lot of zoom calls and you're going to do a lot of zoom video meetings so i would say go ahead and spend the money on a good uh, ring light I highly recommend it if you go to, even if you go with Amazon's choice, it's a great idea. Buy one of those bigger ring lights. It makes you look pretty. It makes you look confident. You makes it look good. When we feel confident and look good, we deliver our, um, deliver our meetings better, our content better. And the second recommendation is um, uh, getting a lavalier, um, uh, a lapel mic, or a lavalier, it's also called a lavaliers. Uh, microphone for that can go into your uh, phone or it can go into your um, computer and this really helps you to raise that game on audio because audio is huge a lot of people might watch something which doesn't look great but if your audio is bad people will shut it off so go ahead and spend the money for a good audio um, lavalier mic they're cheap nowadays again Amazon's choice is great it's not a bad idea to spend that $15, $20, and when you really love it, you can up the game and spend more money and get that ring light as well. That would be my top two recommendations. Absolutely. And again, since, especially since COVID, I mean, everybody, the world's gone remote. The world's gone. It's just the way it is. And then you can... And it's not changing back. So No, <laughs> no. no. And that's one of the only things I think good, one of the few, if only thing, good thing that came from COVID was just this more flexible lifestyle for people uh, in the corporate world and just work the workforce in general. But um, but yeah, the, the lapel mics, is, in this case, just for clarification. So that's basically the mic you see like on news programs or like a little black, little tiny little mic that clips onto someone's tie or their collar or their shirt and just clips right there kind of at your chest area there. So that's what, that's what she's talking about. Um, and you can, I know, and I haven't looked at it, but I know you can probably get that ring light plus a lavalier mic that just goes right into your headphone jack and your laptop for probably 40 bucks or less for both of them probably. I, I, you know, I, so it's you know, definitely something just a little investment that really, I agree with you, Mo, can really make you really present better for any reason, any kind of commun- uh, web webcam communication. So I love that. Very good. Um, and I will definitely, I always put links to everything. So if you have two specific ones you yeah, want to send I'm me saying, links yeah. to, I will put those links in the show notes in case you just have a brand that you particularly enjoy or like or whatnot. Um, sure, yeah. And my recommendations also very pragmatic, very practical. Um, and it is stevia sweetener for uh, for coffee, for drinks, for tea, and also even for baking. Um, and this is something I started using probably, I don't remember, it's probably been 
three or four years ago, I really almost cut out sugar entirely and switched to stevia. And I did some math and I was like, I'm putting in, I probably had three to, and still have probably three to four cups of coffee a day. And if you put just a little bit of sugar here and there in every single one of those cups, I did the math. I was like, that's, it wound up being over 200,000 calories a year just wow. in sugar in my coffee. When I put a little bit of sugar in a cup, one cup of coffee four or five times a day over the course of a year, it, well, it was over 200,000 calories mm-hmm. in a year. And I'm like, that is wow. And then I did some research and stevia is not chemical based. It's not like Splenda or some of the other ones that are like, you know, use chemicals. Um, it is fully natural, zero calories, and even diabetics can use it because it doesn't even trigger an insulin response. So like you have these Diet Cokes and you know, like basically aspartame, which is where like most common form of chemical sweetener. It's even though going in, it's zero calories at, when it processes, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in any of this, but I do know that it does, it does actually trigger an insulin response for diabetics. It actually turns into effectively what is effectively calories to some, to some effect in your system. So that's something, and, you, and I would recommend buying some at the Walmart or, any, or anywhere, Publix, wherever you shop, um, and make sure it, you can get big bags of it. Just make sure you get the one that says one-to-one ratio for sweetness because you can get them with like three-quarter ratio or it's like, but you want to get it so it's one-to-one is like one cup of this is the same sweetness level of a one cup of sugar. And you can actually bake with it. I mean, I've made apple pies with stevia. I make my, my sweet tea with stevia. Um, and it's just amazing. And I think if some people, it takes them a little while to get used to it. But I've been have I've had it for so long that I actually prefer the taste of stevia to actual sugar now. I like. You know, I really do. I really do. Um, so if you're trying to cut calories, you're trying to make a difference in a way that's almost un- almost unnoticeable. That's something I really recommend. So, well, very cool. Well, thanks again, Mo. We're, it's a beautiful day. Again, yeah. I'm excited. to. I'm going to put my windows down. I got about a 45-minute drive home. I'm going to crack those windows and just enjoy the breeze. Same here. That's that. I've got another four. Yep. I have to go and work out, so I'm going to get going. And see you again soon. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, actually, we actually have a shoot tomorrow, so <laughs> I'll see you in the morning. So, yes. all right, well, very cool. Thank you, Mo. All right, thank you.